It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, Panthers fans? Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you will get $10 off your first order. Welcome to a Thursday edition here on the podcast. Glad you guys can be here. On um, Shout out to all the longtime listeners and to new listeners. If you're just joining me, welcome. So glad you can be here. Uh, always appreciate you guys tuning in every day and appreciate the support. I love you guys for it. I uh, hope everybody is staying safe as well. Crossover week is rolling on. Actually, it wraps up today. Uh, I know, sad sad face, no more crossovers, at least for now. We've got more coming down the line. We're going to do another of those uh, Ultimate Division crossovers uh, later on this offseason. Those were a lot of fun where all of the division hosts get together for a big week of podcasts. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, NFC South, NFC North crossover week wrapping up this week, or wrapping up today with myself and my good buddy Peter Bukowski, of Locked on Packers, a lot of fun chatting with him, and of course, congrats to him and his wife on the birth of their new uh, their new baby boy, so uh, keep this in mind, we did record this last week, it was actually pretty early last week, because of, uh, you know, his wife was in labor, and they wanted to be ready for the arrival of the baby, which is certainly very understandable, so, you know, kind of keep that in mind, I mean, for the most part, think everything's still uh, pretty well, you know, not not really much changed in the last week and a half, but just kind of a, a a little bit of a disclaimer. We did record this early last week, just so we can get it in. And uh, appreciate Peter taking time out and uh, do, doing this with me. It's always fun to talk to Peter, uh, and certainly looking forward to chatting with him again, heading into Week 15. As of course, that's the week the Panthers will take on the Packers. And remember, this is either a Saturday or a Sunday. It's either uh, December 19th, that Saturday, or December 20th, the Sunday. Um, again, it's like they did last year. They had those handful of uh, five games, and three of them are going to be chosen to be played on Saturday. The other two will stay on Sunday. And by about week 11 is when uh, when the NFL will decide when those games will be played. And again, this is assuming that everything is normal, everything uh goes as scheduled, which of course we can't be 100% sure of, but for the time being, that's how things stand. But it was a lot of fun uh, chatting with Peter Bukowski. Uh, Before we get into that, of course, there was one quick bit of Panthers news to get into from Wednesday, and that is that Derek Brown has officially signed his contract. We, of course, reported a couple days ago that they had agreed to terms on the contract, it was about four years, or it was four years for about twenty-three point six million dollars, and of course the fifth-year option. But uh, they finally put pen to paper on Wednesday. He's officially signed his contract. He's the first of the Panthers' seven draft picks to officially sign their contract. And as we know, the first-round picks are always the hardest, especially the higher picks, because of that offset language. Uh, the the other op- the other draft picks should um, 
should be no problem. It's just a matter of when they decide to get them done. But all the other picks should have uh, no problem getting signed. So this was the toughest one, and they got it out of the way early. We've already seen a couple of first-round picks agree to terms on contracts now. Derek Brown was the first to agree to terms, and now we've seen uh, a couple others. Tua Tungle-Vailoa is one of the other big names that uh, that has already agreed to terms with a contract. But at least now we don't have to worry, you know, no worry of a training camp holdout, anything like that with Derek Brown. He is signed, locked and loaded, ready to go. And uh, now it's just full speed ahead with this offseason. So that's the bit of quick news. Uh, tomorrow we'll touch into, uh, I see Pro Football Focus has been doing a, a list of their top 100 players of the last decade. And of course, a couple players couple of former Panthers have made that list. So we'll get into that tomorrow, as well as an interview with my good buddy Josh Klein of Roaring Riot. So excited to chat with him. But uh, for your listening pleasure today, again, here's the crossover, wrapping up crossover week myself and Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. Enjoy, folks. TurboTax experts make your moves count. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this Locked On podcast is brought to you by TurboTax. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts will make sure that they count for you. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? Well, that's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That is a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? That quite literally would be a move or maybe... You moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or you switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or maybe you just rode the stock market to the moon and back. Any of those things that you did or any other moves that you made, TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and every deduction you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy and getting you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax today. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Bill, thanks for coming on Lockdown Packers. Absolutely, Peter. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Always always a joy to get to get to chat with you, man. And you as well. There are few teams that had a bigger facelift in the offseason than the Carolina Panthers. New coach, presumably new quarterback. Cam Newton is not in the picture anymore. Teddy Bridgewater looks like he is going to be at least in the short term, the face of this franchise at quarterback. So where does this team stand for 2020? Is this a long-term rebuild, or are they expecting to be a good team this year? I think this is a long-term rebuild, Peter. I, I think this is going to take at least a year or two. You know, I'm, I've been targeting like 22 as kind of the year that this team, I think, will get back to back into contention. This is This is going to be the year where you have a lot of growing pains, um every everybody's got to gel together a lot of new faces like you said new coaching staff new new spots new place or new faces kind of all over the all over the place so i'm really excited to see how all these players develop together i like the potential that's here i like uh i like a lot of the players that they got in free agency and especially in the draft i thought they had a, a very nice draft but with all these new components together uh, and especially with the way the rest of the division really improved uh, this offseason, you know, the Saints are still there. Obviously, the the Buccaneers look a lot better. The Falcons, I think, improved. I, I still feel like this team is probably going to be at the bottom of the division again. But uh, as time goes on, as all these players get more experience, 
I, I think, like I said, this is a this is a long term rebuild, but I think Matt Rule is the perfect coach for this type of project with this team. You mentioned Matt Rule and the rebuild here. When David Tepper bought the team, he made it seem like they were going to value analytics and they were going to you know be a progressive organization in terms of their thinking, the way that they look at the game. Then they they hired Matt Rule and everyone was like, yeah, this is perfect. College guy, he's going to shake up shake up the the NFL. He's going to shake up the team. And then he's like, well, we want to run the ball. They give Christian McCaffrey the bag. They draft Derek Brown in the top 10, who is not much of a pass rusher, but, you know, can give you something there. Are they are they really going to be a, an analytically driven team? Are they really going to be a progressively thinking <laughs> team? Because it doesn't seem that way, at least from the outside right now. Yeah, it, I think one of the biggest questions going into the draft too was really who was going to kind of take charge of of this draft, right? Whether it was Matt Rule or David Tepper or even Marty Herney. Uh, and there was a report that actually came out recently that I found very interesting that when the Panthers were sitting at number seven in the draft, when they got on the clock, um, Matt Rule actually wanted to trade down, which I had said for a while through the whole pre-draft process was the direction that I would have went if I'm the Panthers, pick up some more you know, maybe day two picks and just build this team as, as, as much as you can. But it was Marty Herney that actually wanted to stay at seven and take Derek Brown. Now, I don't know how true this report is and we may never know, but, you know, I found it rather interesting that it seemed like at least in that sense, Marty Herney kind of got the upper hand, especially with Marty Herney only having one year left on his contract and Matt Rule, of course, having the seven years on his contract. So, you know, I don't know if I want to say these guys are butting heads yet, but um, I, I just found it rather interesting that Marty Herney still has some kind of stamp on this team, uh, despite his future looking very bleak uh, as the general manager. I don't want to get too far into this conversation without asking you about Curtis Samuel, because I think my listeners would be mad if I did that. Uh, <laughs> he has been a name that Packer fans have targeted going back before the draft, before the Packers decided they couldn't find use for receivers in a historically deep draft class. And one of the reasons is Curtis Samuel is still a name that's out there, uh, a name that has been mentioned as a potential trade target for other teams and a player that Carolina has apparently said can be had for the right price. Mm -hmm. So, Bill, what is the right price? Yeah, Samuel's an, an intriguing figure. You know, I think you could – Maybe get him for a middle round pick. You know, he's not going to be one of those guys that are going to fetch a high pick, especially with some of the trades we saw this offseason. Right. I mean, you know, for crying out loud, the uh, the Texans only got a, a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, which blew my mind. I'm sure blew everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. So I think you, you probably in fairness, they got to take on David Johnson's massive contract, too. So, oh, yeah, that too. Ex exactly. <laughs> you know, so uh, round of applause for Bill O'Brien there. <laughs> Um, but I think it's fair to kind of use that trade as a little bit of a, you know, we'll say, you know, an anchor or starting point, whatever you want to call it. Right. So that I think knocks Curtis Samuel's value a little bit. And the fact that, you know, they, they have so many receivers on the roster now that teams kind of know that he might be on the chopping block. You know, I kind of equated to the whole Cam Newton deal where teams knew that the the Panthers were just going to release him if they didn't find a trade partner. So who was really going to give up that much ammo for Cam Newton, especially one as injured as he is? You look at a guy like Curtis Samuel. He hasn't had that breakout season yet. You know, he's still kind of been 
inconsistent. So is he really going to fetch more than, say, a fourth round pick, especially when you get to when you start looking at next year's wide receiver class in the draft? And that's going to have a lot of star power as well. I mean, you've got the two the two kids out of Alabama. You've got sure. uh, Rashad Bateman of Minnesota, Rondale Moore of Purdue. There's going to be a lot of good guys coming into the league in next year's draft. So I really don't think it's going to take too much. So, you know, if the Packers want to flip, say, I don't know, fifth round pick, for example, maybe that might get it done. Well, if, if that does happen and Green Bay was not strongly linked to a trade like that, I think Packer fans will will out and out riot. Uh, but, you know, hopefully that's not the situation. I, I'm interested in the Cam Newton part of this because you mentioned teams didn't seem willing to trade for him because they assumed that Carolina would cut him anyway. Are you surprised we're sitting here in May and, and Cam still doesn't even have suitors, much less a team? Yeah, you you would have think there would have been. Now I get Cam Newton wanted starter money. You know I understand he's been in the league all this all this time and he wants that kind of money. But you know we have to look at the market now and the fact that um, you know you look at a guy like Andy Dalton, right? Andy Dalton gets cut by the Bengals and then almost immediately signs with the Dallas Cowboys as a backup. Jameis Winston only signs for one million dollars with the Saints, which I I think. It, if you ask me, that's tremendous value. You know, we yeah, he had the thirty interceptions, but he still threw over thirty touchdowns. To only pay him one million dollars as a backup, I think is tremendous value. So Cam's Don't eventually worry, they're gonna, paying Taysom Hill a bunch of money to Well, be exactly, too. yeah. But it balances out. You're giving ten million a year to Taysom Hill, and then they go and they draft a Taysom Hill two point in uh in Tommy Stevens, who I was stunned got drafted. But that's that's besides the point. Um Cam Newton's gonna have to understand that there's really not starting positions available anywhere i mean the only thing the only team i can maybe think of would be jacksonville but i'm content to say jacksonville is ready to either roll with gardner Minshew or i think they're they could be the favorite to land trevor lawrence in 2021 so cam at this point is probably just gonna have to settle for a backup job somewhere whether that's seattle or i mean i've, I've pegged new england but at this point new england looks set on jared stidham so I'm surprised he doesn't have a team yet, but I get why he doesn't have a team yet. You you mentioned um, the the 2021 class, Trevor Lawrence. It, I'm wondering about Carolina because they didn't make a, a huge commitment to Teddy Bridgewater in terms of the the contract. It's not like they're paying him, expecting him to turn into, you know, the next Patrick Mahomes. So why not? First of all, why not draft a quarterback this year? And if not this year, is it the idea that, okay, they're just they're identifying a culture that they want to set and then in a year or two try and find that franchise quarterback? Because it's not like from their position at seven, they couldn't have moved up for Tua or they couldn't have taken Justin Herbert or, you know, couldn't have found a way to, to get Jordan Love at some point. Obviously, the Packers ultimately took him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll tell you another name that I had pegged from time to time as a potential quarterback option here in this draft and that was Jalen Hurts yeah you know I, I thought Jalen Hurts would have been a nice fit for you know Joe Brady and give him time to develop and they obviously had the opportunity to take him until um you know they passed on him in round two and then out of nowhere the Philadelphia Eagles take him which stunned stunned the hell out of me I don't know about you but yeah it shocked me <laughs> uh let's give Carson Wentz 100 million dollars guaranteed and then draft a quarterback in the second round but <laughs> again um 
so yeah, you know, it was a little surprising they didn't take a quarterback. E- even in the later rounds, I thought Anthony Gordon could have been an op- a potential pick. I thought uh, James Morgan could have been possible. So there were some of these names. So it could just be that, you know, they're trying to set some kind of identity. It, it was just all about getting talent now to kind of help out Teddy Bridgewater. At least they did that in free agency. And then it was just about fixing the defense um, in the draft. So, And it's not like – and I, I do want to correct myself a little bit here. It's not like they gave Teddy nothing. I mean, we're talking right. about I – mean, $20 you know, million six, a year, absolutely. Right, 60-plus million over three years is not nothing. Uh, but it is a contract that they can get out of after two seasons. Right. And I don't think anyone – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think anyone thinks he's the long-term solution in Carolina. No, no. This is a I, – I, I equate this as kind of a, a bridge scenario, you know, maybe a two-year bridge scenario. Uh, they, they seem to like P.J. Walker. Obviously, there was there's the Temple connection there. Yeah. P.J. Walker played the Temple while Matt Rule was there. And, you know, we saw how – how strong he was in the XFL. Now, again, there's obviously going to be a learning curve because you're going from the XFL to the NFL. Defenses are going to be a lot smarter, but still in all, he showed a pretty good arm. So I'm really interested in what the plan with him is going to be. And I'm curious, too, how much faith they have in Will Greer. I think not taking a quarterback in the draft might have been pretty telling for a guy like Will Greer because you ship out Cam Newton you get a fifth round pick for Kyle Allen, which was very surprising. So, but again, you start looking at, you know, next year's class. They very well could be in play for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields if the season goes south. Like it very well could. But if you don't get those guys, you're probably looking at Kellen Mond of Texas A&M. Uh, you know, there's Sam Ellinger. I actually just did a, a write up for PFN on Tanner Morgan, who I am intrigued intrigued with a little bit and i'm excited to see what he does in 2020 if we have you know a 2020 college season you know so there's some interesting quarterback names to look for next year as well so yeah i don't think teddy bridgewater is the long-term answer but i think for now it's fine because he has the connection with joe brady from their year together in new orleans so the panthers have been a weird team this offseason it feels like they plan they have a plan then it feels like they don't have a plan I don't know. It, or that it's a bad plan, one of those or, two. I well, mean, it, the, it's the, just... the part of it that really strikes me as as odd and this is this is you know, I think we can we can wrap on this for us uh is it seems like they built a team that is good enough to win 7 games, 8 games, yeah. but clearly not good enough to win 10 or 11, even right. if everything breaks right. I mean, unless Derek Brown becomes, you know, Warren Sapp um, and maybe even then. So, I mean, this is year one of this of this team. So why not go full rebuild, I guess, is my question. But my question for you is, am I am I on track here? Do you think that this is this is a six, seven, eight win team? And then that, you know, now they're picking in the mid teens next year rather than picking in the top five where they probably should be. Yeah, no, I, I I could see that scenario too, Peter. I, I agree that they'll probably win a few games just from, you know, talent alone. I think um, just some of their playmakers, they, they might be able to score some points and hang with some of their teams. Um, you know, a, a team like Washington, that game could be winnable for them. Um, Arizona could be a winnable game, but just in the division they're in, you know. It's it's a tough division, and then they play you guys obviously in, in your division. I mean, the Packers obviously are going to be a tough opponent for them. The Vikings, um, the Lions are intriguing because the Lions look like they're going to be a team now that just kind of want to 
grind it out, right? It feels like they're going to be a running team because they went and they drafted uh, DeAndre Swift in the second round. And unless the, the Panthers rush defense all of a sudden com- completely does a 180 from last season, you know, the Lions might be able to be able to have success with them. And then, of course, the AFC West. I mean, you know, I, I talked with the, the Chargers guy and we just talked about how much speed on all these offenses there is now in the AFC West and the, yeah. the defense on paper now for the Panthers. I don't know if they're going to be going to be able to handle some of these guys. I mean, Tyreek Hill's probably going to shred them. You've got all the speed now in the Denver offense with Jerry Judy and uh, KJ Hamler. Oakland, of course, added about a million wide receivers, including Henry mm-hmm. Ruggs. And then uh, even the chargers have a, an, an intriguing team and, you know, a, a good offense and a really good looking defense. So there's not a lot of winnable games, I think on this Panthers, on this Panthers schedule. But again, you know, just with the way they might be able to score some points, they might be able to steal a couple. And then, yeah, depending on where they're sitting in the draft will be, will be really fascinating to watch. And if they try to make a play for probably at least Justin Fields, because let's face it, if you don't get the number one pick, you can kiss Trevor Lawrence. Goodbye. All right. Do you want to do? Yeah, I'll flip and do, and do your intro here. Yeah. Let me know when you're ready. Yeah, just give me a sec. Mm-hmm. I just kind of started, you know, just like, hey, welcome to. Yeah, but however you, however you want to do it. Okay. You all set? Yep. Okay. All right, guys. Welcome back. We're back here with uh, Peter Bukowski, one of my favorite hosts here on the Locked On Network. Always excited to get a chance to talk to him as, of course, we're running through these division crossovers. The Panthers set to take on the Green Bay Packers. Peter, my man, how's it going, buddy? Good to talk to you again. You too, man. Always great to talk to you. Uh, Absolutely. Um, First off, Peter, I hear you. You were telling me you're having a kid on the way and it's your first. So I just want to say congratulations on that and, you know, many blessings and wishes to you and your wife and the new baby. I appreciate that. Thank you. We are we're really excited. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely, buddy. So all the best to you. Uh, but let, let's talk a little bit about the Packers. They've had a quite an interesting offseason. Um, I'm, I'm just going to start with the elephant in the room i think the first question for me at least has to be um and i'll start by saying i saw some of your tweets when we've been talking about uh, jordan love or at least twitter's been talking about jordan love and you brought up a really interesting point i think in regards to evaluating the quarterback position at least through the draft and kind of being ahead of the curve so my take is you're not as bullish as certainly a lot of the media has been on the selection of Jordan Love. So tell me, you know, your initial what were your initial thoughts when the Packers made the move for Jordan Love and now that you've gotten time to kind of sleep on it and think about it a little bit, how does Jordan Love fit into this Packers equation, especially, you know, obviously with Aaron Rodgers? Well, I'm I'm sort of interested that you think that that the analysis has been bullish on Jordan Love. I think if anything it's been the other way. I mean I, I just know that the national media seems to has really hated the, you know, the Jordan Love 
Jordan Love pick. I don't have a problem with the pick. I mean, I, I think Jordan Love's fallen into a really nice situation. You know, he, he needs time to develop. I didn't think he was really ready to be a day one starter. You know, so he gets to sit and learn from Matt LaFleur and, you know, watch Aaron Rodgers. So I'm I'm really intrigued by the Jordan Love pick. I, you know, I, I was, I think, just more surprised that they traded up a couple spots. But when you sit and think about it, you know, the Indianapolis Colts were sitting there at 34. And I think if the Packers stayed at 30, what was to stop the Colts from moving up to, say, 27 with the Seahawks, 28 with the Ravens, and snatch Jordan Love? So when you think about it, at least from my perspective, I didn't have as much of a problem with, with the Packers getting Jordan Love here. Well, so my position on it before the draft was if you want to take a quarterback, take a quarterback who is the kind of player that you can't not draft, that you just can't mm-hmm. pass on drafting. And for me, that quarterback list stopped at Justin Herbert. It was Tua, Burrow, and Herbert. Now, all that right. said, I had Jordan Love next, and I had him on my board 21st. So it's it's not like I didn't think he was worth the, the pick at 30 in a vacuum or even 26 in a vacuum. Just... I thought the opportunity cost for Green Bay was too high. It's it's not just, okay, is Jordan Love worth the pick? Is is Jordan Love worth the pick to the point where you can draft him and get that future value at the cost of not taking a tackle, a receiver, uh, you know, uh, even a cornerback or someone who is going to have a more instant impact on this team. Now, there is some there are some numbers that suggest if you take a very utilitarian approach to this that even if Jordan Love doesn't play until his 5th year when he's playing on his 5th year option that he still brings, you know, more value in that one season than a receiver would maybe in four seasons. Mm-hmm. Um if that receiver is just even an above average player and or even a really good player, I think it was something like you know, if he's the 21st best receiver in the NFL, he's still not as valuable um, as as one year of Jordan Love in two seasons as a receiver. So, and then that's if Jordan Love is just average, just like the 17th best quarterback in the league. So, from that standpoint, I think you you understand it. It's it's this idea of okay, but but how much better is your team in 2020? How much better did this draft make your team in 2020? And how much better did this first round pick? make your team in 2020. Do I like Jordan Love, the prospect? Yeah. I, I really like the talent there. I mean, almost everyone agrees mm-hmm. that he was the most physically gifted quarterback in this draft. And and Greg Cosell, um, who, who you know, grinds as much tape as anybody, the executive producer over at NFL Films, was like, uh, you can make the case that he's the number two prospect in this class because his problems are fixable. And that was behind only Joe Burrow, and that was not even with the injury concerns for Tua. So the physical gifts are there. If he's the starter in three years, you might have another another reign of, of if not you know MVP-level quarterback play, of just really high-level quarterback play that's going to give your team a chance to, to win. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense, you know, especially for, you know, it's a good point on, you know, how much better – it's making the team, especially when you're coming off a 13 and three season, getting to the NFC championship game. You feel like that that championship window is still there. Now, you know, going into the draft, let's say, you know, before we get to the pick at 26, you know, say we're at, at pick 25 uh, before the Packers make the trade up. 
where were you standing on on the Packers draft board? Who who were you thinking they were likely going to target before they actually made the trade for Love? And who would have you know who would you think of who was left on the board would have helped them the most? Well, for me, it was it was Josh Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston. That was the guy that I that I had identified early on in the process as the ideal guy to come in and be your your right tackle of the future and be potential left tackle insurance if you can't get a deal worked out with David Bakhtiari. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he fell for reasons that I don't quite understand. I don't know if there were if people had you know concerns about the level of play or if there was concerns about the guy. I don't I don't want to speculate because I I just I have no intel. Apparently the Cardinals were stunned when he fell as well. I thought they had a great draft by the way. Speaking of teams that had a great draft, yeah. Um, uh, but so that was the the spot I was in, and and I was sitting there at twenty six. Okay, so Rager comes off the board at twenty one. That was that was my guy, and the other guy that that I had was Justin Jefferson. He comes off the board at twenty two, and then in my head I'm thinking, okay, twenty six is the the logical trade up spot then because the Patriots are not going to take a receiver. Uh, the Saints could, but they take an offensive lineman, and then you have the Vikings at twenty five. Well, they just took Justin Jefferson. They're probably not going to take. A receiver. So, if you want Ayuk, if you want Pittman, someone like that, you move up to twenty six. So when they did that, I was like, okay, this is going to be either Jones, who I thought was a top fifteen player in this class, or Michael Pittman. That was my assumption. Michael Pittman is a tailor made Packers type. Brian Gutekunst loves size speed players. He is he is he is just like all of the other receivers on their team. Uh, he is EQ. He is Alan Lazard. He is Devin Funches in a way. But um, you know, I, I think he's more gifted than those guys. Um, so I thought that was going to be the position that they were in. And when it was Jordan Love, I was, I was shocked as you were. Mm-hmm. I think with a little bit more hindsight, it makes it makes some sense. I was talking to Dan Orlovsky about it, and he was saying, you know, it's a great pick if they go out on day two and find a pass catcher for Aaron Rodgers. They didn't really do that. Josiah DeGuara is not a field tilter. Uh, I think he's going to be a sort of H-back, move tight end type who can do a little bit of everything for you. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to fundamentally change your offense, and they didn't get that guy, at this point at least. So um, that's where I think a lot of people are left scratching their heads. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I'll, I'll add this too, kind of touching on the, on the DeGuara pick, which should interest some Packers fans. So I did a, uh, a 32 user mock draft with the, uh, you know, over Slack from Mark Schofield, his, his Slack channel, his podcast and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually controlled the Actually, I had two teams. I controlled the Seahawks and I controlled the Packers. And I was actually able to get the Guara in the fifth round. So while I was kind of in, intrigued that the, the Packers took the Guara, I was a little surprised that it was in the third round. I thought maybe he could have went a little bit later, especially with some of the tight ends that came off the board in the third round. I mean, the Patriots took Dalton Keene, who, you know, I, I didn't think he, he was a third round tight end. So, so some of these positions and these players where they went was like really head scratching. But, yeah, you look at the Packers draft and they don't draft a wide receiver. You're thinking, are they that high on Alan Lazard? Are they, you know, that high, you know, have that much confidence in some of the, these other guys? Is that kind of what your sense was that they didn't take a receiver? Well, I, I think the value didn't fall where they 
felt like it was it was good. I don't think they felt like oh, the, you know, everything is fine. They tried to sign Emmanuel Sanders. Mm-hmm. They Brian Gutekind said, you know, look, the board broke weird for us in the mid twenties. To me, that suggests that Ayuk was the last guy for them. Um, that he was the the last in a tier of players. They reportedly, and actually not even reportedly, Brian Gutekind said outright there were players at the top of the second round they were trying to move up to get and couldn't make it work. It would have taken a lot to get up into the range for a LaVisca Chenault, a Michael Pittman Jr. They would have had to give up future, probably a future second to get up that high, and that's just not something Green Bay is going to do. Mm-hmm. And they clearly didn't think highly enough of Mims um, to move up because that could have been pretty easy to move up. I think all the pre-draft smoke there was was just that it was it was smoke, um, I, but they do have confidence in these guys. I mean, Aaron Rodgers really likes Alan Lazard. So does Matt Lafleur. Um, he was a big part of their offense um, in the second half of the season, in particular. And I think they feel like he has a lot of room to grow. They really like. Um, some of their secondary guys, whether it's Equinemia St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jake Kumaro, they like the talent on the roster. And, and I think they have um, you know, expectations of Devin Funches filling in a lot of the move slot role, big slot type, you know, move tight end, but really just big slot type uh, snaps that, that Jimmy Graham played last year. And I think that's a huge upgrade. I mean, your listeners know Devin Funches can be a little bit of a, of a head-scratching player at times, but there are certainly also plays where you're just like wow that that size with those movement skills he can he can be an impact player for the Packers even if he's not you know Julio Jones right yeah and I think the the obviously the the advantage that he's going to have in Green Bay is he won't be really the focal point you know defenses don't have to really focus on him he can go out and make plays because obviously they've got to worry about Devontae Adams um, but I want to sh- shift gears a little bit to talk about another position, if you don't mind. Um, the right tackle position. Mm. So obviously Brian Bulag is gone. He goes to the Chargers. Panthers are still going to see him because the Panthers are playing the Chargers this season. Um, but they won't see him on the Packers. So what are the Packers going to do at that right tackle position? What do, what do you think their plan is going to be? And then you could flip on the other side because you kind of alluded to it earlier. What's the future of David Bakhtiari at left tackle? Well, so they brought in Rick Wagner, the former Detroit Lion, to play right tackle, and, and I think that's at least mm-hmm. a short-term plan. Um, Wagner did, did not play well in 2019, but before that had been a really solid right tackle and, and came to Detroit as the highest-paid right tackle in football after uh, a good start to his career in Baltimore. Uh, my expectation is they will pay David Bakhtiari, um, but we'll see, I think, what the makeup of the team looks like. If Aaron Rodgers is still on the roster and still playing at a high level, I think it makes more sense to lock up David Bakhtiari than it does if you're if you're putting in Jordan Love. Just from the standpoint of, you know, you want to you want to make the timelines match up. If you think Jordan Love can come in and win games right away, however, then you know David Bakhtiari is someone that is is a, I, I think in any circumstances is, is the guy that you want to keep. It's mm-hmm. going to just be about balancing where else have you allocated the money there. Um, my my expectation is. They're going to extend Bakhtiari if for no other reason than if you look at day three of the draft, the Packers uh, drafted three offensive linemen, three guys that that I think all can can come in and, and be guys who make their roster. I think John Runyon Jr., though, projects inside. I think he's going to be a guard or even a center, similar to what they did with J.C. Treader. And, um, you know, Jake Hudson, the center, is, is potentially a long-term backup center option. They didn't, they didn't get... 
that backup offensive tackle. And to me, that means at least one of those guys, you know, David Bakhtiari is going to be the long-term there, and they're still looking for the long-term right tackle. Good stuff. Um, I guess I'll kind of wrap it on here too. So obviously, like I said, we the Packers are coming off a 13-3 and season, but there seems to be some people that feel they're ripe for a regression. Yeah. What do the Packers have to do to avoid that regression and kind of, you know, get back to where they were last year and, you know, maybe compete for another Super Bowl appearance or, you know, give try to give Rodgers that second championship? I think the biggest thing is um, the internal development. You know, mm-hmm. I think we often overestimate the impact of a draft class in year one. You know, we look at and we give these draft grades and we say, oh, Minnesota had a great draft. They're going to be better this year. Well, no. They're going to be more talented, but Mm -hmm. are they going to be able to replace three starting cornerbacks? Are they going to be able to replace Stephon Diggs in year one? Is Justin Jefferson, for as much as I like about him, is he going to be able to do that? No, probably not. It's, It's often the case. And I would say almost always the case that internal development is going to is going to come from not your rookies, but your year two and your year three guys. So Green Bay needs Josh Jackson to find a home in the secondary. They need Kevin King to play like, you know, a top 40 pick. They need Jay Sternberger to step up. I think he's going to play a big role in this offense this year. They need Rashawn Gary to be better than Brian Burns, by the way. Um, you know, that was a, a big problem for the Packers t- fans last year, taking Gary over Burns. They need to see that internal development because if they do, and even if they just get one or two guys to pop, if Darnell Savage goes from solid young safety to Pro Bowl safety, if, you know, Equinemius St. Brown goes from intriguing backup to legitimate third receiver in this offense or even legitimate second receiver in this offense. Alan Lazard could take the same kind of jump. If Jay Sternberger goes from tight end four to, you know, useful tight end one, that has huge impacts on what they can do this season. And and that's where they have to see the improvement because they didn't add personnel who make them much better. Although I will say that I think going from Geronimo Allison and Jimmy Graham to Devin Funchess in that, in that slot role makes the Packers appreciably better in a way that I don't think has been um, properly framed to this point in the off season. Absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, Peter Bukowski is always, like I said, great to chat with you, man. And again, yeah, all no. the best to, all the best to you and your wife and the new baby. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate that. Next time you talk to me, I will be much less rested, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Locked On Panthers podcast, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And folks, I got to tell you, these have been uh, the, the best tasting protein bars I've ever had. I've had some others and they've been pretty tasty for the most part, but uh, they've also been kind of bland. These ones actually taste really good because they actually use pure chocolate. So you can enjoy the the 
the thrill of eating a, a candy bar, but not have the guilt because it gives you all the, the nutrition that you can want in a protein bar. For example, the peanut butter brownie bar has 20 grams of protein in the bar, only 170 calories, and only 3 grams of sugar and 3 grams of carbs. So these are low-calorie, low-sugar protein bars uh, with high protein, high fiber, and again, they actually taste like a candy bar. So you get the goodness of the protein bar, and you don't have to worry about washing down the bad aftertaste because these actually taste really good. So take it from me. I've had it. Uh, the mint chocolate's really good. The peanut butter's really good. Uh, but if you want to try this for yourself, we have an offer that you could that can save you a little bit of money. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you will get $10 off your first order. So again, just go to BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com, promo code Locked On, and you get $10 off your first order. And thanks so much to Peter Bukowski for joining me, and that wraps it up for Crossover Week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, tomorrow we'll be chatting with Josh Klein, so looking forward to that. And we'll uh, talk about the PFF ranking from the past decade. So have yourselves a great rest of your Thursday. Uh, Stay safe, take care, and we'll see you tomorrow right here on LOP. Until, Until then, take care, my friends. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.